Welcome to the Virtual Velo Podcast powered by the Zamunike. We are passionate about cycling and immersed in the virtual cycling community. I'm Chris Schwanker, a freelance cycling journalist, here to lend a voice to the digital athlete and bridge the gap between athlete and avatar. Take a conversational ride with us. We are back for another episode of the Virtual Velo Podcast. This is episode 31, and today's show, it's well, it's going to be a very interesting show. There's lots to share and discuss, not least at all. We've got the Zwift Grand Prix information in front of us to discuss, but I'm super excited today because we've got two guests on with us today. Uh, one absolute Zwift legend, I would say, if I can use that word, and we're going to come on to that. A little bit later. And then the coach of said uh, legend, but also a quality athlete in his own right. So we'll get on to that. However, Chris, before we jump into that discussion with those two guests, I think it's time we should share the news about the Zwift Grand Prix, some of the headlines uh, and some of the interesting things that we can discuss also with our guests. Because, of course, our guest, as we'll find out later, is taking part in the Zwift Grand Prix. I am really excited about the Zwift Grand Prix, Si. There is a lot of money on the line. Uh, which I think is exciting for these athletes, and it should make for some really exciting racing. So, why don't you uh, why don't you take us through the uh, the main points? Yeah, absolutely. Well, a couple of changes this time. Well, this time round, there's 32 teams taking place. So, of course, there was 20 in total, 10 men, 10 ladies last time. This time, there's 16 of each across ladies and the gents. So, it's uh, a couple of new teams thrown in there. But of course, we've still got Abus, or we're Abus Lacole. They're now Abus Synergy. Next, of course, are in there, but they've also bought their ladies' teams this time for the first time to the Grand Prix. Of course, I've got to give a mention to BL13, powered by Level Velo, of course, my own clothing brand. So they're in the mix this time, which I think is only right. They've uh, they've been trying to crack that code to get entry into that for a couple of years. So I'm great to see those guys. But but Chris, there's a couple of teams missing there, or there's one team in particular, one rider that I don't know anything about yet that I'd like to see, which is Pio Auto and uh, our world champion, uh, Bjorn Andresen. Do you, do you have any insights, knowing that you're the man with the finger on the pulse? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that there are 13 teams that have men's and women's squads, which which I think is, is pretty great. I love to see both genders represented. So 13 teams that have both men's and women's squads, that, that's a record. But as far as Pio Auto, uh, Pio Auto was not in there. They weren't in it last year either. And they're always one of the top teams. But I don't yeah. think that that's, I don't think that that was his whip thing. I spoke to them and they just they just couldn't get the team together. But I did speak to our reigning world champion and he did tell me that the Rainbow Stripes will be represented in the uh, Swift Grand okay. Prix. So Bjorn Andresen will be racing. He didn't tell me who he'd be racing for, but he will definitely be racing. But as far as teams go, I'm excited to see uh, Saris Nopins back in there. You know, they're the uh, the OGs, the the original yeah. indoor specialists. So they kind of they sat out last season, and I always thought that those uh, the circumstances were a little bit puzzling. But it's good to see them back. And I spoke to Holden Holden Camo, our former U.S. Swift champion, and he tells me that he's uh, packed on 20 pounds of muscle, and he's in the in the best shape of his life. So. <laughs> Want to keep an eye out for Holden Camo. But also, another team that, that's new is uh, Restart, powered by Alex Co. your coach, Alex Co. There is no person who I respect more in the esports community than Alex, your coach, Alex. So I have a feeling that they're going to be really great, and I'm looking forward you know, cheering on those guys. 
Yeah, I think there's there's no doubt Alex is is already working with Restart, no doubt to uh, to get those guys sharp for this. But uh, no, I think it's really interesting, and you know, as always, it's great that uh, we we see that parity um, across the the men's and the ladies divisions as well. You know, I have seen quite a bit of chat and and maybe some conflict amongst teams that uh, have maybe applied for you know for for men's and ladies teams, but not quite have the riders. It's interesting that you make it mention Bjorn there because. We have seen quite a few riders moving across teams as well. We've seen quite a bit of recruitment going on. So that's made for some uh, tasty uh, snippets and headlines, I would say. But yeah, coming back to the Grand Prix, it's going to start on 16th of October. It's actually running all the way through this time to January 18th. So there's seven rounds in total. And if you remember, when we discussed the, the Zwift Grand Prix previously, I think with James Barnes, he, he indicated that he wanted to see um, inclusion of some of the, the Zwift Racing League aspects or, or even going back to the sort of the Premier League days there, or the Premier Division days. Well, there are going to be some links to the Zwift Racing League this time. So there's a couple of scratch races, points race and team time trials, which will mirror and replicate what's going in the Zwift Racing League as well. And I think moving that on next time, it'd be good to see if there's a way that teams have a, a structured way to get promoted to that kind of status as well to look at. Uh, and of course, what they've tried to do this time is mix a little bit of the Zwift Racing League, but also some of the features that they took from the Grand Prix last time around with a points hunter, I think it was called, uh, and some of those other other type events. Also, looking at some of the courses, I know you're going to look at this. There are some uh, quite tricky courses and, and one big climb in there as well because we've got the epic ascent of the Alpe de Zwift. And I'm, I'm trying to look at the camera. I saw a smile on, on our guest's face there as well, just to see if we got a reaction when we said that. But yeah, that's that's in there. And there are points on that climb as well. So what do you think? Well, the I was looking at the uh, the formats also. And, you know, the the, the climb up the Alptus Wift is certainly going to be appealing to our guest. But I was checking out the epic points race. Now, Sai, I am, this is like edge of your seat, brutal engagement. Of, of cycling esports, right? PRL half as a Zwift Grand Prix race is going to be epic. It's That's like the only 70 kilometers, right? It's 70K. It's 877 meters of climbing over 70K of racing. Four trips up Box Hill with a banner and points at the top of each one and the finish. I see. Uh, now I, I see a little <laughs> bit of concern on our guest's face. All right, we'll have to ask her about that. And a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of an added feature here: if you fall beyond five minutes from the from the leader, the sag wagon comes and picks you up. So there's there's a lot for all of the racers to be concerned about. So yeah, yeah. I, I I can't wait to see this. I know it's going to be like we always say that some of these races are way too long, and, and they were way too long last year. I will wait as long as this one takes. I am looking for uh, seeing the curtain fall on that one. Absolutely. Yeah, no no doubt the, there's going to be some long races in there. And yeah, that five-minute cutoff, I, I must have missed that when I read the release. But that, uh, yeah, that gives a good reason to push on on some of those events for sure. But I tell you, the big news this time around and, and really quite impressive is, is the prize money. And it's, uh, I believe it's a grand prize of 10,000 US uh, winner takes all. And that's 10,000 for men and women's team, right? Yeah, it's 10,000 for each. And I think it's significant to kind of compare the prize purses uh, between last year and this year. So um, I hope I don't bore everybody with the numbers here, but I just want to go through it last, uh, real quick. So uh, in 22-23, 
there was $16,500 given out in prize money for the men and the women, 16000 And that was cascading down from first place all the way down to 12th place. And all the teams got a total of $1,000 per team just to participate. So it was another 24000 there. So there was a total of $57,000 given out. So this year, there's the $10,000 winner take all, which I think is pretty incredible that it's a it's all or nothing uh, situation. But each team gets 2500 just to participate. So that's another eighty grand there. So when you no. add that all up, it's $100,000 total of money that's being given out to the elite teams. That's a significant difference. And that's a $43,000 increase. So, you know, it's it, it may be a small percentage of money that, that Zwift allocates to uh, resource development and the racing, but it is an increase. And $100,000 is a is a nice chunky number there for, for elite esports athletes. And, you know, it, we're always saying that we want to one day see these athletes be able to race as a, as a profession and, and and earn a, a living wage. And this is just another one of those little steps forward. And I'm, I'm uh, all for it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I totally agree. And uh, yeah, it's not just a, a nice headline number, but I think, you know, we, we're still relatively young in at this level of sporting in our sport of cycling esports. So I think that, yeah, we've seen some good progress there and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that, that rolls out. So Chris, shall we, shall we move on to the guests and, and get them in already? Because I think we've got plenty to talk about. So as I've said, this is a duo that we have on today. First of all, our female guest, Kristen Kulczynski, has represented the USA in no less than three UCI World Championships on those virtual roads. And I would argue, Chris, that she's probably one of the most prolific and popular cycling esports athlete we have seen. You, you guys can't see this, but... My daughter's little bike is just down here on a turbo trainer. She's five years old. And, and she, we sat and watched Kristen and, and the other girls race ZRL on, you know, on, on YouTube last year. And, and she gets so excited. And, and that's why that bike's here, because you know the, the ladies have been inspiring people to do that kind of thing. And then we have the coach, Josh Lipka, in the building as well. So it's going to be great to talk to Josh. Josh himself, a U.S. national champion for TTT. And I think Josh was also second in the road race uh, this year as well at the Masters uh, US National Champs. So it's good to that. Good to get you both in. Kristen, Josh, welcome to the show. How are we doing? Doing great. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you. Kristen and I share the same bike shop. I guess we're, we're kind of, does that make us like family, I think? <laughs> You've not been out on a coffee ride together yet though, right? Not yet. No, well, after I've seen the way she's rewritten the uh, Strava record books on Long Island, I don't think I'm going to uh, go on any rides with her anytime soon. I'm going to just stay in my basement. I think it'll be fine. We'll, we'll, that'll be a great way for us to connect, I think. <laughs> yeah, Kristen, we, we've we got to talk about this. Of course, we're going to talk about your, your indoor riding. But if I look at social media this summer, it's it's all been about KK Outdoors climbing mountains, right? Yeah, it's been a fun kind of transition uh, this summer, um, kind of learning how to ride <laughs> to, yeah, taking KOMs and uh, QOMs and uh, then starting to actually get into some races. So that's been a really awesome kind of summer thing so far. <laughs> Before we get into you know what inspired you to ride outside, I want to... Uh, Ask Josh this question. Did you really have to teach Kristen how to turn around? Did she actually have to unclip and swing her bike around in order to go head in the opposite direction? Like, is, a, is she really that much of a diamond in the rough, Josh? 
yeah, she's definitely a diamond in the rough. Unfortunately, I live kind of far away, so we don't get to ride together outside very often, but we talk on the phone every day. And uh, yeah, that, you know, those first few rides going outside, uh, I remember, Kristen, you were really nervous and you were like, I had to unclip to go across the street. And I was like, really, you did? But but still, you know, now you can do U-turns, you're going up mountains and even downhills. We've been descending some mountains, Mount Greylock, Prospect Mountain this past week. So uh, you've come a long way in just one summer of riding outside. So we'll see what happens next year. But it's really great because, well, we're going to get into the reason why I think that, you know, your success out- outdoors is, uh, is really uh, impactful for the sport. But why don't you tell us what inspired you to, to, to ride outside? You're, you're obviously, you know, extremely successful at riding your bike indoors. Many people would look at you and say, wow, you know, she's found her niche. You know, why would she want to even you know, bother going out? So why don't you let us know what inspired you? Um, it was always like a dream of mine to feel like what a real mountain felt like, um, because climbing mountains on Zwift was always my favorite thing. Um, so, yeah, so I, I have done... Uh, some Everesting on my birthday, um, two years in a row. And this year I said, you know what, I want to ride Mount Greylock. And Josh had said to me, well, you need to kind of get out there and you can't just show up here and just, you know, ride. So I said, okay. And, uh, uh, early May, end of April, I started going outside and yes, like the first few rides I could barely clip in. I was, you know, running across the street to make a U-turn. And uh, I would shout to people in the, in the crosswalks, I'm new, I can't stop, please let me go. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so every, it, it, I was going to just go out there for my easy rides twice a week. But I mean, I quickly fell in love with the freedom, the, you know, everything that had to do with uh, outside because it felt like the video game to me because I was always so used to Zwift. Um, so every day, uh, it was a new, you know, a new experience and, um, come June, I was ready for Mount Greylock and, uh, went up it and Josh was following me in the car and, uh, took the QOMs that first day (laughs) and, um, yeah. And then, uh, he, um, we went back and we were looking at my, my, uh, you know, fam scores and everything and. And Josh kind of was like, let's do Mount Washington. And I was like, great, okay. <laughs> I don't know if he wants to kind of interject there. Um, but yeah, we we looked at um, Mount Washington was like the new goal now. So my whole summer, because Zwift is like off season for summer. So now it was like new plan, new training plan, learn how to ride and keep learning, get a better you know climbing bike and all the correct... Um, you know, uh, components for that. Um, and that was like all Josh, he, you know, I fully trust whatever he was telling me we needed. And, and thankfully, uh, Nicola from, from, um, our team was able to supply, you know, everything that we kind of needed. And yeah, it was great. I can keep going, but. (laughs) So Sai, the, uh, I was looking over the, the QOMs that, uh, that Kristen's amassed and, a lot of those were previously held by by gals who participate in this really hot group ride out our way, and like this this group ride is is a mixed group ride, and it's you know there are there are people that come from the city who vacation out in in the in Kristen's area, which is a really beautiful area. If you have a chance, you should go there. 
And so th- this ride is a hot ride. It's basically a race. And the fact that she's going out solo and taking these QOMs is, is pretty impressive. So I had my eyes set on, on climbing up Mount Washington also, but it wasn't to be, huh, Kristen? It wasn't to be. Um, and, you know, a lot of like this last year of just uh, not only learning how to ride the bike, but also um, just working on like mindset and everything. And that was a perfect example of like the disappointment of being ready for the race, but like, you know, bouncing back and um, getting ready uh, after that for the Mount uh, Greylock Hill climb. But yeah, it was, it was disappointing, but um, that it wasn't, you know, hurricane force winds you don't want to mess with, with hypothermia. So I understand why it was canceled. Um, but I was there, I was ready. And um, yeah, and uh, two weeks later, I was able to kind of have my first race on Mount Greylock. And it was awesome. It was just such a wonderful experience. So Sai, I had pitched the the story to Cycling Weekly, and, and they they bought it. I'm like, this is going to be great. When when Kristen wins this race, I'm you know the headline's going to be beautiful for me. Like indoor specialist conquers conquers Mount Washington. I'm still I still may write the Mount Greylock one. I'm hoping that that works. You know the weather was not great in the valley where we were. It was raining. It was kind of cold, but the wind was gusting up over 100 miles an hour at the top and they they said that it was kind of it was like freezing rain and it uh it, it wasn't meant to be and it got worse the next day so it it wasn't even as if they could reschedule it for the following day so that was that yeah chris you you sent me some of the pictures for that chris it did it did look absolutely horrendous there but i just want to go back to to graylock and cuz i'm looking at some of these times here and and looking at some of this data but uh, josh could what what I'm looking at the time. They're quite close to the men's times even. So you didn't just take the QOM. You were pretty close to the KOMs as well. So what what sort of power are we looking at averaging here, Josh, for, for Kristen on, on Greylock? Oh, uh, well, it's, you know, sometimes um, sometimes indoor and outdoor power doesn't really match up. Uh, but with Kristen, it absolutely does. So, yeah. you know, she's holding five watts per kilogram uh, going up the mountains. And what about how much time have you had to spend then in terms of um coaching in terms of of technique and climbing outside because whenever i've seen Kristen on the screen on these big races on the tv she's always out the saddle driving a biggish gear is it the same experience outdoors um oh boy we always laugh about that um Kristen, Kristen always says you know whenever whenever they show her on the zoom you know in real life when she's racing it's when she's attacking so of yeah. course she's up out of the saddle but uh she does sit down uh, most of the most of the time, but that's always a work in progress. We're always learning. You know, um, Kristen and I work together with the twenty twenty four team as well. So I'm always on Discord. I'm doing the race directing. We're putting the team together and just bringing people up. So it's we're always learning. We're always trying to improve, uh, and that's no different than being outside. One thing that we had a good laugh at Kristen. Hey, was um, riding in a straight line. You know, we were finding that Kristen was kind of going you know, a little left, a little right, kind of snaking up the road. And uh, that adds a lot of distance by the time <laughs> yeah. you get to the top. So that was one of the main things. It seems like on Zwift, especially if you don't have like a rocker plate or something like that, maybe you're not used to holding a straight line. You can just kind of smash the pedals and get the power out. So maybe just a little bit more finesse was like the one of the first things that we were, that we were working on. But um, everything just improves every day and we're always working on it. And she's doing a great job. So the the Mount Greylock hill climb side is a it's a it's a pretty s- stiff climb. It starts off 
super steep. It's like it's it's like the opposite of what you would would consider a, a hill climb would be. But it has some like flat and rolling sections in the middle. So it's not it's not just a pure climber's course. So you know the the fact that that Kristen did so well on it is uh, is really pretty amazing. So so Kristen, let's let's talk about the the times that you had on Mount Greylock because you obviously crushed the QOM and you also set the course record. So um, what was the what was the QOM that you set? And then I want to compare it to the times that were before that. Um, for the QOM, I believe it was forty four. Um, okay, I, I think it. I think it, from what I can tell, I think it was forty four, forty six. That would have been a twelve mile per hour average. And your friend Miriam Paquette, who yes. is a fabulous climber in her own right, had the previous QOM, which was forty seven thirty four. So you almost took three minutes wow. out of uh, that that QOM. Pretty amazing, and set the course record, and it was your first ever outdoor race. So yeah. I think that I would probably have reti- I would have retired probably after that. <laughs> I said, but you followed it up uh, with another uh, another mass start race. Why don't you tell us about that? Doing Mount Greylock kind of lit the fuse for the next one. So um, a friend of mine had told me about Prospect Mountain uh, hill climb, and uh, I said, Josh, let's do that one too. And so we went up there and it was my first mass start race. Um, and it was very, uh, I was a little nervous. Uh, and it was, you know, to clip in around people and just have that initial start. But the awesome thing was to have Josh racing it with me. So right before he, you know, told me to take a deep breath and like take your time clipping in. So it was, it was the best first experience I could have had um, to, to race it. Yeah, together but a, a mass start race is a, a totally different feeling altogether right because we you know we've all raced here when you the riders are rammed in the pen with with plenty of riders around you so the men's and ladies started together in a mass start there as well yeah yeah it was awesome i did warn people i said this is my first mass start i just wanted to give the the warning don't come too close to me i don't know <laughs> so, so you weren't the silent nervous type you were just putting it out there i was just like just, just so you know, <laughs> I don't want to like, you know. After you rode away from everybody and they, they were probably like, all right, we just got played by her. <laughs> well, I didn't say I was, I, I just said it was my first race. I wasn't, I didn't say like, oh, be kind to me, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my first race, but I'm still going to punish you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I was like. No. So Sai, did you see the video of Josh um, following behind Kristen? Well, I'm just looking at the numbers here. So if I get this right, look at numbers here. Kristen, you averaged over 5.2 watts per kilo. Now, I know what my 20-minute my power is because it was just over a 20-minute climb, right, that one as well. So, Josh, you also, you know, if you're riding with Kristen, you've got to put out some numbers yourself just to hold Kristen's wheel, right? Oh, it was awful. <laughs> absolutely because if you're yeah, a tt for... guy in a road racer i'm guessing you're not 50 to 60 kilograms no no i think i did about four eight and that's like 420 watts that's a workout and we, and we yeah we finished next she beat me yeah that's a that was a really incredible video i was waiting for uh Kristen to drop you i have a feeling that she was taking it easy on her coach <laughs> absolutely so you also mentioned there then that Virginia's Blue Ridge, and it sounds like Josh, you're quite involved with with that team as well. So do you do you coach a number of the girls on there, or is it just the DS scene? Is it you know part of the management team? How does that settle work? Ah, uh, well, I'm lucky to be the race director, so I'm on the Discord and all the races, and um, I just help Nicola and Kristen uh, just managing the team, recruiting, um, tactics, 
uh, things like that. I'm Kristen's personal coach, um, but I don't think Kristen, I don't know. It, uh, I just train you on the 2024 team and then. But we do have a thing called Zwift School. So Josh is like head of that too, because any of the new girls that need help and like, you know, there's a lot you have to do for Grand Prix, yeah. um, you know, to know. And, and Josh always takes care of everyone to, to make sure that they're, um, you know, know what, know what to do and expect and everything. Yeah. So, so Josh, you're, you're an avid Zwift user as well. Do you, you know, do you sort of have to coach on the, the dynamics and those sorts of things as well? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Kristen, I think you started Zwift in 2018. Is that right? And I started in 2017. So I've been doing it for a little while and I don't have the Watts per kilogram to do premier league back then or grand prix now, but I've done the ZRO racing, uh, a little bit with the Locio in the past, those guys. And, um, I think I've been, was it like three years now, Kristen, you and I've been yeah. with 2024. So we've been, we've been doing it for, for a little while. Yeah. And we got to, you got to keep up with, uh, all the draft dynamics, you know, just, uh, last night in our team time trial, we used to do a little hybrid where we had first and second rider, um, in line, but then kind of a ball, uh, or a blob behind that. But it turns out now with the new draft dynamics, uh, you know, single file line is significantly faster. We all know that. So you just got to keep up with, uh, the Zwift insiders and all the other articles. Virginia's Blue Ridge 2024. I've got to get that right. You know, I've, Kristen, from all the, the videos and images I've seen of you riding outside, you've had that kit on. So I guess that leads to the question of, you know, are, is that your team outdoors as well now? Would you consider joining a, a, a pro team? What What's the next step outdoors? I mean, I feel like maybe it's just like I didn't, you know, when, when we told Nicola, hey, we're going to do Mount Washington and, and more races, um, Nicola was like, I'm going to send you a skin suit and all this stuff. So I... I kind of, you know, on my race, you know, when I'm signing up for the race, I do put Virginia's Blue Ridge 2024. Um, so I guess I, I, I feel like it's my Zwift team. It's my, you know, I'm out there doing it. Um, we'll see what the future holds, but yeah, I'm definitely, I'm, when I show up to these races, I am wearing my, my kit very proudly. So, so <laughs> it's a, it's like a big deal to me. No, I'm very proud. And, and right, so you, you should be. I mean, looking at those those times and what you've done in, in your first year out on the road, you, sh- you should be very proud from that. You know, the, from that point of view for sure. Um, so I, I guess while we've got you on, I'd love to talk about esports as well. Makes sense. We're an esports show, right? And and the Zwift Grand Prix. Um, before we get on to Zwift Grand Prix, I just want to ask your your impressions on the esports worlds, which obviously this time round are not going to be on Zwift. They're going to be on um, my whoosh. So. What do you think of that? Have you, you know, have you been been looking? Have you been using other platforms? Have you been utilizing my Woosh historically? What's your plan when it comes to Worlds this time around? I have not tried um, any of the other platforms yet. Um, so, I mean, I guess when it gets closer to uh, the time for Worlds, like whether where the qualifiers are, I haven't um, researched anything uh, yet because I've been a little busy. <laughs> but, but. Now it's like I'll be focusing on indoor season now, so um, I'll have to find all that out. Because um, I know with worlds in the past, you know, there was qualifiers on RGT, and like there was different ways. So I'm not sure if there's going to be a qualifier on Zwift for worlds, or I, I guess I'll have to maybe maybe you guys know <laughs> have the insider info. If anyone's going to know, the the man is in the room. I, I can tell yeah. you that, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether I should ask him now if he has any information on that. Maybe, maybe not. But my gut feeling is that all the qualifiers are going to be on my wish. 
Chris? I would have to venture a guess that that's the case too. And uh, I have a a meeting with uh, the man that would know next week. So unfortunately, I don't have that information right now with us. And I probably won't have it next week either. They've uh, they've been pretty uh, close to the vest with all of that information. Say that they have big plans. So yeah, the, the fact that you would have to learn another platform, is that something, Josh, that you would also think about, you know, getting onto MyWish and learning those dynamics and being able to maybe have a MyWish school as well? Absolutely. Whatever Krista needs, I'm there for it. Yeah, Kristen, obviously, I know that the information only came out, you know, probably this morning for for you guys over the over the water there. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure if you've had a quick chance to look, but of course, there are some hilly courses, as we've said in there with the PRL half and Alp de Zwift. Um, and I know, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in the past is, is maybe the, the more sprint based events have always not been your key. But we've seen you take it to them, you know, the other athletes in those events as well in, in your own in your own unique way. But so what, what are your thoughts on, on what you've seen so far on the Zwift Grand Prix in the format? I'm thrilled with uh, the new um, choices this this season because, um, yeah, you know, like whatever has happened in the past, like I've always rolled with it. And like Josh is, you know, focused on trying to get my sprint better and things like that, like even though that wouldn't have been my the, the sprint courses aren't my favorite. I'm just there for it. So this season, I'm very excited to see that there's an Alp, you know, course. Um, I think that'll be awesome. And the longer races, like I, I feel like um, it's kind of a mixture kind of back to like that first season where it was like a longer uh, trishional race with some, some uh, really fun kind of sprint points. You know, I, I think it's just going to be an awesome uh, season. I'm really excited for it. I had mentioned earlier that the that we wanted to have you on the podcast because what you've done is really impactful for esports. So I just want to just get into that with you, and, and this will probably be the last topic that we kind of try to dive into. There are a lot of skeptics out there who look like look at an athlete like you who's never done anything on the road, doesn't have any road success, doesn't even have any road data. Right. You've you've learned how to ride a bike indoors and you've been very successful indoors and you've put up numbers that would make you very successful on the road, but you don't have anything to show for it. And there are a lot of people that are, you know, that are very vocal about being skeptical of your performances. Is that something that you hear? Like, do you hear that? Does that that affect you in any way? Does does any of that get to you? No, because the thing is, like, you know, when you know when you know yourself and your coach knows you and people know you, you know, they're not surprised like, Oh, Kristen, like she's always been like this, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, one thing I had said, uh, like when someone else asked me about like, Oh, you know, it must be nice to kind of now be doing stuff outside to kind of shut those haters up or something like that. But, you know, it does, it's funny because like, you know, now that I have raced and I do have amazing results and like it shows like, you know, everything is the same for me. Um, the haters are still haters. Like they don't say congratulations, you know, so you can't do anything that's going to prove yourself to them because they'll just look for the next thing. And you just have to like focus on, on, um, you know, doing, doing it for yourself, bringing joy and, and, uh, and all that, because again, like they're just going to find something else and just, yeah, I, I I try not to pay attention, you know, to any negativity, um, you know, in, in, and there can be. So it's like, you know, you want to kind of just keep it positive. So I think that the, the more athletes that 
do what you do, that, that, that are indoor specialists and they, they have tremendous success indoors, they, they, it's almost as if they have to prove themselves. And I, I feel that our sport's never going to get to where it needs to be until we get past this, until a- athletes like you don't have to prove themselves, that you can be an indoor specialist. And it just, it, it really warmed my heart to see you do that, to go, you know, basically be as successful on the road as, as you were indoors, because I hear it as well. And it, it's, it's kind of frustrating. There's no reason why you should have to prove yourself. You're, you're an, obviously an authentic athlete. So you've taken a, a step forward for esports, and uh, I, it's, it's really a great thing what you're doing. And I'm sure, Josh, when you, um, I'm sure you had tremendous confidence in Kristen, but I'm sure that it also kind of um, justified what you're doing and, and everything that you've done to support Kristen as well when she was as successful outdoors as she was indoors. Uh, yeah, it was definitely great to see. Um, you know, I know how Kristen and I work and uh, all the, you know, she was on multiple power meters, really great quality power meters. I never had any doubts of uh, what kind of power she could put out. And um, yeah, like Kristen said, there's going to be a lot of supporters in your life. And every once in a while, you'll bump into somebody who's not so much a supporter. But uh, it's just where you focus on, you know, the people that are bringing you joy and helping you out and have your back. You know, our team, Nicola, we're talking to her all the time every day. Yeah, so it, it was it's really nice to see uh, Kristen get out there and have some really good uh, climbing times because we knew she could do it. Yeah, it's really fabulous. It really is. We're uh, looking forward to seeing you do some indoor climbing, getting back into your element, and uh, you know, being even more successful. And I was really pulling for you in the uh, in the in the World Championships, and I hope that we have an opportunity to to do that again. And yeah, no, I, I just want to echo what what you were saying there, Chris. You know, uh, Chris, you, you got to keep doing what you're doing because you you know it, you always do it with your smile on your face as well, and. Uh, you know, you're inspiring my my little five year old cyclist who sits next to me and sits there watching you you on YouTube with the other athletes as well. So, no, it, it, it's great to see you do that. And, and Josh, I think I need to attend your uh, Zwift school now that PD four point one because the way my race went this morning and I still can't get my head around it. So, uh, if I could put my name down for the uh, the the twenty twenty four team as well and the the Zwift school, that'd be fantastic. So, no, thank you very much for both joining the show. Really appreciate your time today. Good luck in the Zwift Grand Prix because that's coming up soon, Kristen. And I can't wait to see you in the Esports World Championships uh, early 2024 as well. Uh, thank you so thank much you for so having much us. Thank you so much for having us. Chris, it was great to have uh, Kristen and Josh on our show. Really appreciate those guys coming on. And you know what? It's, it's great that we see a so-called... Uh, indoor specialist um, rocking those watts and, and climbing those mountains in real world. Because we're not, we're not allowed to say in real life anymore because, of course, it's all real life, but in real world riding. So uh, it's it's great that we're seeing these riders uh, make this crossover. And I think, if I remember right, you, you wrote another article about another indoor spe- specialist who uh, transitioned to outdoor as well, right? This topic always fascinates me because... It's just another way to legitimize esports. You know, people look at esports and they say, "Oh, that's it's not real cycling." You know, the they if they rode outdoors, they would fall over. They can't balance. You know, they there there's no way that it translates. But in a lot of instances, it translates almost exactly as you heard Josh say about Kristen. And back last year, I wrote an article for Cycling Weekly on Paige Onweller, and this was in the November of last year. And Paige Onweller, the first time she she Turned the pedal was on Zwift. She had never ridden the bike outdoors. And she raced in the Premier League. She had you know fairly good success. 
but her her goal was always to ride outdoors or if if not when she first started you know she had aspirations of riding outdoors and her very first race in 2021 was gravel worlds and she came in fifth and she went on to win big sugar gravel pro women's title and i don't know if you know about the big sugar gravel race but it's 104.2 miles so that's a huge result for somebody who'd only been racing and not even on the road, gravel. So she had to you know, learn all the bike handling skills and everything that she wouldn't have learned indoors. She learned how to be a, an athlete indoors, but she was able to assimilate all of that and become a solid outdoor racer, a solid gravel racer. And she's gone pro. So she's now a pro. You know, she, I think she's privateering. I don't know if she's with a team. But she's a, a pro gravel racer. You know, it's it's like it's these things that you know. It's just these little things that are happening within the sport that are you know chipping away at, at legitimizing and, and getting us to perhaps to the point where you know it's going to be a new sport one day. And there are other things going on in the the esports universe that are are kind of uh, chipping away at it also. Si. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are you referring to the uh, the so-called 2023 Asian Cycling Esports World Championships on, on a platform that I have to say, Chris, I wasn't aware of, which is Weezu or Wizu as they call it, who announced themselves as hosting a, a, an esports, a UCI esports Asian, Asian Championships. Um, no doubt, Chris, you, you did some digging, right, with, with the UCI on this. So what, what did you find out? Well, in all fairness, you know, I have um, sources that, that come to me, they bring me ideas to me, and they, they do a lot of research for me. So I can't take the credit for, for all of this. But this was brought to my attention by, uh, by a, a number of people, but a, a few that I speak to quite often who are, you know, bring me great insights and, and for the purpose of, of me sharing them. So this is a platform called Wizu. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm going to spell it so that it's, it's clear so that you can all look it up, which I, I have a feeling that none of you are going to. But anyway, it's <laughs> W-H-I-I-Z capital U. And what was so significant about this is that they announced that they were going to be hosting the 2023 Asian Cycling Esports Championship, which, all right, so they're going to have an Asian esports championship that's already kind of infringing on the uci's territory yeah, yeah. but when you look at these announcements there's uci branding all over the place so the the person who who brought this to my attention is like chris you know it could it possibly be that the uci is sanctioning this event you know you know what's going on you know they they kind of you know they they didn't want to do it for some platforms but now they're going to do it for this platform so when you do a little bit more digging into the structure of the company, you you find out that they're they're state funded by the Chinese government. So when you, when you think about you know my wish is funded by UAE, they have pretty deep pockets. Well, the Chinese government also has deep pockets. So you yeah. kind of you're thinking to yourself, okay, all right, you know what's going on here. So. I contacted the UCI and this is what they said to me. We confirm that the event you are referring to has not been certified by the UCI and we are currently in contact with the organizing party about this matter. So absolutely not. They didn't sanction this. So they've, I'm sure they sent them a, a sternly worded letter to cease and desist. But, you know, the it, it raises a lot of questions about, you know, the direction that this sport is going. You know, do we need a, a, a governing body that's, you know, has, has, has more teeth that's able to, you know, kind of actually govern these things. Yeah, I guess, you know, for me as well, I mean, we, we've just had the European road championships, you know, uh, recently over here, for example. So, you know, it makes me think you know, we've got these 
you know, the, the mountain biking have got the World Cup events. You know, the, there's numerous international events that take place on a road cycling point of view. You've got the Track World Cup as well. Are we getting to the point where we need a, a, an international calendar? You know, and, and, and what would that look like? Is that in real life, you know, at, at some point? But yeah, for me, we, we really need to look at who's governing the sport and could we get a point where it's not just about this one event every year where we have the the UCI Cycling Esports World Champs, but a real international calendar of events moving forward. Have you, have you asked the UCI about that? Well, I followed up with them and I didn't ask them that question, but they did offer information and the UCI doesn't offer information unless they have a reason to. So when they said this to me, I considered it very profound. This is what they said. For your information, the UCI is currently working on establishing an international calendar and a ranking system for cycling esports and hope to welcome new events in the future. I said to myself, wow, that is a significant occurrence in esports. So mm. the, the, the fact that they're actually acknowledging that there is a need for a, an international calendar and that it may potentially happen. So like you, you think to yourself, that's extremely interesting because it's, it's a major step towards actually creating the new sport. So, so you think to yourself, you know, what would that look like? What would they have to do in order to get to that point? When you think about it, you know, there, there are, there are three things that, that would need to be addressed in order for that to be something that would, would be legitimate. It's almost like a, like a three tiered approach. And the first one would be the platforms, right? There, there are going to be multi, multiple platforms, getting them all so that they're all standard in some way. And what, what do we always go back to, right? The, the technology, the technology has to be standard across each. The technology has to be robust across all of the platforms. So what does that bring up to you, right? Server side versus client side. Client side, yeah. You know, yeah. Right? The, the, the finish line visuals, like all the platforms have to meet a minimum standard as far as that's concerned. Like the UCI would have to create a, like a, like a document and in order for the platforms to host sanctioned events, they have to fulfill all the requirements. That's the first thing. The second thing would be, would then be creating a list of hardware that's, that's suitable for these competitions and perhaps going to the companies and, and creating some sort of a standardization as far as that's concerned, as far as the accuracy and not just accuracy within their own devices, but accuracy across devices so that we can actually be able to compare numbers as if they're apples to apples, right? And then the third thing is performance verification. Now, if we have all of these different platforms and you have athletes that are competing on, on all these different platforms, and like there, there will become a day when an athlete will do a race on MyWish and they'll do a race on you know, RGT if it's still around, hopefully it will be, and they'll do a race on Zwift. And you have all this data sitting out there, but the, the data doesn't come together. So the creation of a, a centralized database where the, if, you, if an athlete races on one or the other platform, it automatically gets put into this database and the, and the numbers get crunched and the, the verification is done automatically. And that's just then put into that athlete's digital passport or digital profile. Right. So, you know, that, that's the type of thing that we're going towards in order to get to where we need to be. And then when you think about the calendar, you think about pro rankings and, and world tour points, you know, there needs to be a system for that. And that's just that's another database where, you know, if, if an athlete does a race on my wish, he, he gets a, such and such a ranking points that goes into the database and he, he then gets gets a world ranking based on that. But the first thing that the UCI needs to do is actually get an esports designation on its license and then the, the 
there'll be some funding coming in for that that can be dispersed out. You know, I've, I've, I've alluded to the fact that we're going to have some experts in this field coming on, and I think that we're pretty close to doing that, and we're going to take this conversation. But I found it really interesting that the UCI would offer up that information to me. No, I see that as a, a real positive statement from the UCI, to be quite honest, because no, you, you're exactly right on the, those points in terms of having that standardization across, you know, I've been lucky enough to race a few UCI events, you know, the, the lower ranked UCI road events over the years. And of course, different events have different courses, different organizers, but they all point towards gathering UCI points ultimately. And, and as you said, you know, could we ultimately see an esports endorsement on on the back of the you know the 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 UK license that we have to have it has the UCI number on there and so on it'd be awesome to have that that sort of same endorsement endorsement for cycling esports as well so yeah a lot a lot to come on that and, and I guess you know I'd be interested to to get to Dr George Gilbert's view on that as well because obviously he's a man who's been involved in in different areas of the sport so maybe we can look at getting George back on to discuss that but I guess in, in, in terms of timing then, because those things all sound fantastic, you know, in terms of developing the sport, but I, those things take time. Where, where do we start? You know, wh- how long is this going to take us to get to that point where we've got world tour level events and, and ranking points across multiple platforms? Well, that's the, uh, the, the discouraging part of this conversation. I, I've spoken to some people that, you know, kind of have a bit of a sense of this and they f- feel that it's not something that's going to happen in the very near future. I think the UCI sites is set on the LA Olympics in 2028 and, and getting esports there. Um, I think that that's a huge undertaking and, you know, they're, they're kind of focusing on that and, uh, you know, rightly so, you know, if, if the, if you know, we've said it a million times, if, if esports is featured in the Olympics, that's going to be massive for the sport. It, it opens up so many doors. So the fact that they're really, Focusing their their attention on that is certainly understandable. So it's it's really down the line. This you know this this creation of this new sport with respect to an international calendar and and world tour ranking points is not the top priority at the moment. But it it certainly is something that is being looked at, and it's something that is in the works. And there there are preliminary discussions you know towards this. And the fact that the UCI mentioned it kind of uh, really you know, makes it seem as if they have you know at least an idea on what that they want to do so i know we've covered a lot of ground in today's show including the swift grand prix it was great to talk to josh and kristen of course and chris i know you will keep an eye on what's happening with the uci and the world championships and all things cycling esports thanks again for listening to the show don't forget to like and subscribe across whichever podcast platform you use Chris, I know that you want to close with some remarks following some news that we've just had in. We should conclude by saying a few words about one of our fellow cycling esports community members who was taken too early while enjoying the sport we all love. It is with profound sadness that we share the heartbreaking news of the loss of one of our community members, Jason, affectionately known as Sausage, following last night's Dirt Racing Series race. Jason, a true Team Valhalla family member, was racing with Team Electric Spirit Co. Corleone when tragedy occurred. Our thoughts and deepest condolences go out to the family, friends, teammates, and club members affected by this tragic event. We dedicate this podcast to the memory of Jason, better known as Sausage, to his virtual mates. You will be missed.